We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. All right, uh, hour number two here on Home and Home Radio.com Sports Original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. ZipRecruiter dot com slash enter a lot going on on a thursday two divisional baseball playoff games and a thursday night beauty rams traveled to seattle to take on the vikings you just got the betting advice from our man nick costos coming up we'll get the fantasy tips in this game what do you do about todd Gurley? we'll talk to brad evans from yahoo sports follow him at yahoo news we're going to talk about roquan smith and the chicago bears and why ross tucker is not happy with the Chicago Sun-Times, and how much do we deserve to know about our NFL football players? That's an interesting discussion to get into, but let's start with arguably the biggest question ahead of this Thursday night game, and I'm Dave Briggs on the road in New York at CNN this morning. Ross Tucker, home in Pennsylvania. Todd Gurley is the central question, not just to this Thursday night game, Rams and Seahawks, arguably the entire Rams season is tied up in one question. And that's what is going on with Todd Gurley, who led the league in touchdowns the last two seasons, was absolutely dominant in this league until he broke down late last season. The arthritic knee we have learned about non-existent as C.J. Anderson carried them down the stretch. No running game in that Super Bowl, as you all know by now. Fast forward to last week, and the Rams lose a stunner to the Bucks, giving up 55 points. Todd Gurley ran the ball five times. Five times, and Jared Goff chucked it about 9,000 or 68. 68 times in one game. No balance for this offense. So what's going on? Let's hear from the head coach, Sean McVay. Is it that arthritic knee? He certainly has to have balance on this football team. That's how they are built. Here's McVay. He's done an incredible job of handling this situation. You know, I'm, I can't imagine how he feels having to answer all those questions. You know, so to his credit, it's been amazing the way that he's been able to handle it. And so it's not a stressful situation because it doesn't really affect the way that we operate day in and day out in our building. Uh, what you do feel an obligation is for us to be better, be more productive. And when Todd's doing well, that means our offense is doing well. And so those are the things that in a positive way, you're continuing to try to look for those solutions as a coaching staff with your players to be more efficient. Like I was talking to with Vinny and, um, you know, and, and we're working through that right now. And, and it's been, um, you know, it's something that we're excited about just continuing to grind on. And, and we get another opportunity to see if, if we've made some hay on Thursday. What I'm most interested in for our offense is efficiency and, and scoring points and moving the football. And, um, you know, you'd like to be able to have a balance, but but our job is to move the ball and to score points. And, and there's a lot of instances where, you know, certain looks you feel like, man, this is a great opportunity or we're really efficient running it and we'll continue to do that. Uh, but but ultimately, I think you got to be able to do both to be successful over time in this league. Um, so I don't want to say you're just going to throw it or you're just going to run it, but it's a lot of times predicated on what we feel like is the best way to, to be an efficient offense, snap in and snap out, and, and score as many points as possible. 
This offense has no chance moving forward despite some outstanding playmakers, three terrific wide receivers, two talented tight ends, but they don't work throwing the ball 68 times. Nobody does. They need the play auction. They need Todd Gurley to get wide, and five carries is not even giving the running game any chance. Ross Tucker, what do you make of the strategy of one of the brighter coaches in this league right now and that mystery arthritic knee? So there's a bunch of different things going on here. One is I, I think McVeigh has it right in that it is about efficiency. That should be the goal. That should be what they're trying to do. I'm not sure throwing the ball 68 times is the peak of efficiency, but in fairness, they were also behind by double digits most of the game. And I think that he thought that was his best chance to come from behind in that particular game. I don't think that's where he wants to be as a play caller or as a coach typically, but I would agree that what every coordinator, every head coach, every play caller should strive for is efficiency. As for Todd Gurley, what's interesting is, you know, his numbers aren't great, Dave, but he had two touchdowns on Sunday. And I actually think when he's gotten the ball, I feel like he's looked pretty good. Like to me, I, I feel like I've seen some speed. I've seen some power. Now they've got new guys at center and left guard. So they, they're working some new guys in, uh, you know, Higby's been out of the lineup at tight end. So it's been more Gerald Everett, but I feel like visually that Gurley's actually looked pretty good. I don't know if he looks totally like he did last year, but I don't see a guy that's laboring. I don't see a guy where I look at it and say, he's not the same guy. He only got five carries against the Bucks, but two of them were touchdowns. So, I mean, on two of his five carries, he went as far as he could possibly go. I don't remember what happened in the other three carries, but if you look at it and you say, oh, it's only 3.2 yards per attempt. Yeah, well, how, how, how long were the two touchdown runs? When we're talking about a really limited sample size there, I go by what I see, Dave. What I see is a guy that looks pretty healthy to me. He looks like he can carry a bigger load in the first three games. He had 14, 16, 14 carries, which sounds about right. Was close to 20 touches in those games. I prefer when we disagree, but this case we do not. I see a Todd Gurley who, yes, is not the beast totally committal to taking on contact seen a couple of times where he appears to have run out of bounds when he could have gained a few more yards and gone through or attempted to a couple of defenders but that one touchdown was 13 yards last week against the bucks in which he carried two or three guys into the end zone these are no slouches this is a pretty solid tampa bay defense and we have seen that throughout this season through these four games i see a todd Gurley who is yes 75, 80, maybe perhaps 90%. We don't get to see every single snap, but you know who does? Pro Football Focus, T. Palazzolo. He sat down. He watched some Todd Gurley video closely, graded it, and tried to decide what he is seeing in Todd Gurley versus the guy he saw the last couple of seasons. Here's Steve. I don't advocate utilizing running backs in general, but if you're talking about what Gurley's done when given the ball, I think he's run the ball pretty well this year. I think he's done a nice job. I think he's had stretches. He did it in the Carolina game. You mentioned that run he had the other day. There are just stretches where it's like, hey, he's making some guys miss. He's doing a nice job in space. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people are focusing on the running game with the Rams when, yeah, they put up they put up 40 points. Despite 
Goff left a lot of plays on the table. He missed open throws. Uh, he put the ball in harm's way. He fumbled. Um, had some unlucky, you know, unlucky, an unlucky interception in there as well. But for all of this talk about the Rams' running game, they still put up 40 points. That defense lost the game for them. They got torched by that Tampa Bay offense, and of course, the the fumble at the end made it look even worse. But uh, you know, by Goff. But um, I think people are maybe overrating what the Rams' running game is for them potentially. And despite all of the flaws that Goff showed on Sunday, they still scored a ton of points. So I think it's just that defense needs to play a lot better, and Goff does need to play a cleaner brand of football. But I'm not completely against uh, the Rams' play calling at this point, like a lot of people are. Tried to sift through the press conference from Todd Gurley earlier this week with the Rams, and he said nothing about nothing. Clearly, he is frustrated. Clearly, he is a bit confused by this situation. I guess we've come to this point, Ross, where it kind of feels like shit or get off the pot. He's either healthy and you're going to feed that beast, give him the ball 10, 15 times the way they were the previous three games, or commit to Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson, who they drafted this season, you can't be halfway in on Todd Gurley, can you? No, I disagree. You're wrong. I know you said you prefer when we disagree, so congratulations. Good. We disagree. You're wrong. I think that they should uh, – I think the Bucks game, and every game really, but the Bucks game was a totally unique entity unto itself – because of how they got dominated by the Bucs and because they were behind the whole game. I think that they want Gurley to get probably 10 to 15 carries, three to five catches, and have him be in the 15 to 20 touch mark per game. I think that's perfect. I mean, an NFL game, usually only have 60 to 65 snaps. So if Todd Gurley's getting touches on a third of those, I'm okay with that. I think what they did the first three games was fine. I think people are overreacting to one game. And by the way, they won those first three games. I think people are overreacting to one game in which they gave up 55 points. I think everybody needs to just calm down, take a chill pill. People are worked up maybe because the Rams went to the Super Bowl last year or they took Gurley in their fantasy drafts or whatever. He still scored two touchdowns for you. So relax, Jack. I think the Rams, in that regard, are fine. What's not fine in my mind, or the real topic we should be discussing, is Jared Goff has not played very well recently. I mean, you look at his passer rating the last 12 games or so, the last eight games, as opposed to the first 10 or 12 last year, he has not been playing the same. Touchdown-interception ratio, completion percentage, it's not good. If there's something to be concerned about with the L.A. Rams, it's not really Todd Gurley's usage as much as it's Jared Goff's production. Yeah, he has been a mess. Passer rating, turning the ball over four times last weekend, and perhaps that has been the reason the Rams don't look the same. Just feels to me like they are halfway committal to Todd Gurley. Yes, it is one game. That's how this league works. Works. We do overreact each and every week, and especially when you hear Gurley deflecting questions about his happiness with the play calling and the offense and his health. It feels like there's an issue simmering below the surface. Speaking of, there is clearly some sort of issue below the surface with Bears linebacker Raquan Smith, who everything seemed fine until minutes before last week's game, game four against the Vikings. He was suddenly scratched from that game for 
personal reasons. And what you've heard some reports leak out of the Chicago Bears locker room, who that, that defense is good enough to play without an outstanding linebacker, Roquan Smith, and still be arguably, well, still be, forget it, not arguably, the best unit in the league. But you're hearing from players off the record in most cases that Roquan Smith is just not himself, not acting like himself. You hear a lot of reports of personal reasons. Roquan Smith wanted to clear the air about this weekend's game in London against the Raiders. Here's what he said. Yeah, like Coach said, it was a um, personal reason, and uh, <clears throat> that's behind us now. So just focused on uh, getting better this week and uh, moving on to Oakland. Was it about your family or anything like that? Or? Uh, well, that goes beside the point of being personal. So mm -hmm. it's personal, so we're going to leave it at that. Roquan, what sort of emotions have gone into this? Whatever is going on for you, we certainly respect that. What, what kind of emotions have you been through this week? Uh, thank you, but um, no, I'm, I'm good. Uh, it was personal. Uh, it's behind me, so more so just looking forward to um, getting better today out at practice and um, going back to work with my guys. What's the yeah. expectation to play this week? Uh, that's definitely the expectation. There's nothing that will affect you going forward with this situation? Uh, it was just a personal issue, so um, moving forward um, past the situation, actually, so just uh, addressing it because you know, I have to, and uh, I guess it, it already happened, so, you know. And out of bed, Bears head coach Matt Nagy on the Roquan mystery. Involved in a legal incident Saturday night? Personal issue. Would that rule out legal incident? Or? I'm just going to say it was a personal issue. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I, I'm not getting into anything else, and so I'm just going to completely keep it at that. When do you make a decision on whether he's going with you or playing this week? Um, again, it's, it's, I'm going to, personal issue. Facing any disciplinary action from the team, you understand our obligation to ask. Sure, absolutely. Um, no, we're it's it's completely a personal issue, and I, I just I'm not gonna I'm I'm not gonna answer any more about it. It's, that's where it's at right now, and you know I understand where y'all are coming from, but I'm just out of respect to th this right now. I just want to leave it at that. If you want clarity on what's going on with the Bears linebacker Roquan Smith, you ain't getting it here. Personal issue is all they are going to say. And this became a media issue in Chicago. What's your read on this, Ross? Well, look, I think that the reporters asking questions about it, they, they, they need to, they should. I, I get it. Do I think that when you ask a third or fourth or fifth question, that's a little much? I mean, you have more experience with that than I do, Dave. I never really understand that. Like, after the second time, whether it's Roquan Smith or, or Matt Nagy, after the second time when it's clear they're just going to say it's personal, what what's your belief, Dave, on asking a third, fourth, fifth like follow-up question to that at that point? It depends on the reporter. Uh, there was an unbelievable moment uh, yesterday with the President of the United States and a reporter named Jeff Mason of Reuters who continued at President Trump at a press conference alongside the Finnish president. And look, he just figured out different ways to ask the question. If you're not going to answer it, I, as a reporter, have to stay on and continue my pursuit of some type of an answer. I prefer when they ask it a different way. When I hear people ask Belichick the same way, do you have a comment on this? That's not a question. You need to find a different way to script and go at that attack. And I say, look, that is our job continue to pursue the truth until you get an answer. So, and I think that that's fair, okay? 
What I think is comical is something I tweeted about yesterday. I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Dave Briggs TV. The show is at RDC Home and Home. Only show I'm aware of. It's less than five minutes of commercials per hour, by the way. Tell your friends. Tell your family. Tell your enemies. We don't give a shit. Tell everybody. Um, But the Chicago Sun-Times wrote, somebody wrote a story, and the tweet was, if Roquan Smith doesn't play against the Raiders on Sunday, the Bears eventually will have some explaining to do. With all due respect to Smith, it is their duty and the fans' right. And I got to tell you, I totally, totally disagree with that story. And I tweeted and got a bunch of interaction for it yesterday, Dave. This is a great point by the Chicago sometimes. In fact, we should have a national database in which every worker who misses any time for anything personal in nature needs to publicly state why they missed that time so we all have access to their personal reasons. Are you kidding me? I was obviously being facetious. Sarcasm. It's a joke. It's personal. I don't know what happened. I've seen some rumors about what happened. I don't know what happened. I just know that there are certain things that happen in people's lives that are nobody else's business other than their own. And guess what? Sometimes that happens with NFL players. And sometimes it happens during the season. And you might not get to know what it was, even if you're really, really curious and you're dying to know what happened, why didn't he play, you don't have any right to know that. Despite what the Chicago Sun-Times says, it's not the Bears' duty or Roquan Smith's duty to tell you. It's not your right. And for the most part, I think the people on social media, Dave, agreed with me. There were some that say millions aren't being bet on my job or millions of people don't tune in to watch me do my job. I say irrelevant. That just happens to be his job. That doesn't mean you have any more of a right to his personal reasons. Now, I don't remember missing any time, practice or games for personal reasons during my career, Dave. But there were a few situations where I can see maybe missing something because something had come up in my life that, you know, I had to deal with. And I wouldn't have wanted to tell anybody that. And they don't deserve that. This is difficult because my other line of work here at CNN, we press our public officials, our government officials until the very end because we deserve to know that. In fact, we do deserve to know we pay their salary. They represent us. That's the equation. That's the deal. We have to pursue answers. Fans feel the same way when it comes to their athletes. Why? They plunk down 100 bucks for jersey. They plunk down thousands of dollars for season tickets. They spend six, seven hours going to a football game on Sunday and cheer their hearts out and spend another 200 bucks on food for their family. And they, in part, finance these football teams that they love. So I do understand why the fans 
feel like they deserve answers. And that is the media's job. They feel like they are doing the job of the fans pursuing answers for those people that are so passionate, that do pay out so much money to pursue these teams. There is an exception. We don't know what this personal matter is. I say keep asking these questions. If this happens to be something, no speculation, but if it's something illegal, these questions need to be answered. If it's a mental health issue, that is nobody's business but Roquan Smith and perhaps his head coach. But this will not go away. Those reporters will continue to ask questions. And folks, he's going to London. London, the UK tabloids, if they get wind of the story, you think our reporters are tough. You ain't seen nothing till you've been to London. Yeah, I don't think, though. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll be all over him when he gets over there. I, we'll see. Uh, I, it sounds like he's going to play. It sounds like it's behind him. And maybe the Bears don't have to be concerned about hiring another linebacker to play on Sunday, even though Nick Kwiatkowski, who's a PA boy, played very, very well in his stead. Speaking of hiring, by the way, we know it's not the easiest process. Heck, our buddy Dylan Miskowitz, I go way back with Dylan. He needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. You know what he did? He switched to ZipRecruiter because ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It actually finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and then invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates and you get them fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, in just a bit, we're going to be joined by Brad Evans of Yahoo Sports. All your fantasy questions are answered, including tonight's game. What to do if you are a Todd Gurley owner? You drafted him probably in the first round, maybe early in the second. What are you going to do? And how about Jameis Winston? What do we make of that fantasy quagmire fantasy answers right around the corner? All right, we're back on a Thursday night football edition of Home and Home here, a radio.com sports original. Rams and Seahawks. What do you do about Todd Gurley? Just five carries last week. On the other hand, two touchdowns. Also got seven catches on 11 targets. Let's talk about it with Brad Evans from Yahoo Sports. Follow him at Yahoo Noise on Twitter. Good to see you, my friend. It's Dave Briggs. It is Ross Tucker. What are you drinking? Who are you rolling from fantasy perspective in a dandy of a Thursday night game? Yeah, my friends at Sincoro Tequila, that's Michael Jordan's new brand, uh, just shipped me a pair of bottles. So I am going to be sampling uh, that fresh fare tonight, and I cannot wait uh, because we actually have a game that's not 
perfectly crafted for Tequila Thursday. It's got an over-under of 49 and a half. This actually should be a very entertaining contest. You know, the Rams coming off that just incredible offensive explosion between them and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That's why I actually like going the opposite direction. I'm taking the under tonight. I like the Seahawks at home. Uh, they have actually, uh, you know, been covering machines in terms of at least straight-up wins uh, here in recent years, um, you know, up there at the link. And, and I think they're going to be able to take care of business against this Rams team that has one in four against the spread their last five meetings against Seattle. So uh, I'm going to lay the points at minus one and a half um, on Seattle. And I'm taking the under. I got the Seahawks 26 to 20 in this one. From a fantasy perspective, Brad, what are you telling people about really Todd Gurley, Jared Goff and the Rams offense? Yeah, Todd Gurley is the $64,000 question right now. Uh, there was a great article in the LA Times by Daniel Hernandez, and he said, in this charade with Gurley, him only getting five carries in that game uh, against Tampa Bay was almost inexplicable. And a lot of people could say, well, he could blame game flow because they were down 21 to nothing in the first quarter, but Gurley didn't even log a single carry in that first quarter. Uh, no, he was highly active in the past game, had the seven receptions. You know, his fantasy day was saved by the pair of touchdowns, but you have to wonder, you know, can he really move laterally anymore? I, I don't think he can. He looks like a bit of a three-toed sloth out there on stretch plays, uh, still running tough north and south, uh, and it was evidenced by his 3.33 yards after contact per attempt, but man, this Seattle front is a daunting unit. Uh, they've given up just 3.9 yards per carry and 129.7 total yards per game to the running back position. So Gurley, you got to look at him as really a TD dependent uh, option for fantasy purposes. That's why I have him ranked as a middling RB2. And then Jared Goff, you know, what version we going to see? You know, if you can't run the football, you can't run play action efficiently. And this is really what this offense is predicated on. Uh, so that's really been the struggle for the Rams at times this season. And, and I think it's only going to be, you know, magnified tonight against a Seattle defense. It's really shown some major strides, particularly in that secondary with Zach Griffin, who's given up a passer rating right around 80 on the season uh, and well below 1.00 yards per snap to his assignment. So, you know, I, I'm downgrading a Robert Woods. I think he's more of a wide receiver three. Uh, same with Brandon Cooks. I mean, Cooper Cup obviously can trust him as a premium wide receiver too, but I, I think it's not going to be an easy road to hoe for the Rammies up there in the great Northwest tonight. Just following up on Gurley, for all the Gurley owners out there, I guess the question I have is, is Malcolm Brown the handcuff or is he the complimentary back? If Gurley were to say, go down or, or leave for a couple of games, would it be Daryl Henderson? Do you have any read on that? I think it's Malcolm Brown through and through. I mean, we've seen it time and time again, you know, starting in week one, Malcolm Brown being that goal line gremlin, uh, stealing and resting away some of those opportunities. And Gurley, now Gurley sees those back. But Her uh, you know, Daryl Henderson has barely even made a peep uh, this season. So, you know, Henderson really struggled picking up his own scheme in the preseason. And, and maybe that has continued in practice behind the scenes. But I think Malcolm Brown is the guy to own uh, if you're a Todd Gurley enthusiast, you know, if Gurley were to suffer, uh, God forbid, uh, a major injury or that knee were to flare up, I think Brown, it would become his show and he might be get a little peppering here and there of Henderson. Let's talk on the other side, the Seattle Seahawks, Russell Wilson, 
playing really well, Brad. And I know everybody hates Brian Schottenheimer, but it seemed like the Seahawks offense has been pretty good. What are you thinking about the Seahawks? It looks like they got the receiver in Lockett, the tight end, Disley, the running back, Carson. Is it fair to say they're kind of a clean fantasy team? They are very clean, squeaky clean. Uh, I'm on board wholeheartedly with the Seattle options tonight. Um, you know, I think Russell Wilson, a guy that's been a top three fantasy quarterback, you know, he gets it done with his arm, gets it done with his legs, a player that should go out there. Now, again, we don't know what version of this Rams defense is going to show up, but given the short week, I don't think Wade Phillips could apply enough duct tape uh, to hold this unit together after just getting – uh, you know, again, splintered by the offense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last week. So, you know, I think another body slam is in order for this unit as a whole. And Russell Wilson has been, just been the picture of efficiency, you know, feeding the ball to Tyler Lockett downfield. Now, Lockett, Lockett's going to have an interesting matchup tonight because he's going to see a lot of Roby Coleman out of the slot. who's given up just an 84.5 pass rating. If he slides outside, he'll get a keep to lead who has been you know, pretty close to lockdown this season, 0.64 yards per snap surrendered, though he did get used and abused uh, a week ago by Mike Evans and company. So, you know, we'll have to see how that shakes out, but I'm trusting Tyler Lockett as a wide receiver too. You know, Will Disley is a guy who's consistently found the end zone. We'll see if that streak continues or the Rams have done a very good job bottling up plus size targets. Uh, but I think the story in this game is going to be the one, two punch of Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, you know, Chris Carson back in the coach's good graces after the case of fumbleitis uh, earlier on this season, uh, you know, carrying literally Cardinals on his back last week, going over the century mark on the ground. Uh, and we know that the Rams have really struggled in containing the run. Uh, they've allowed the eighth most fantasy points, of the running back position and I think with a healthy Rashad Penny back, he may get 10 to 12 touches in this one as well. It's got some sexy, flexy appeal. Uh, I would not be at all surprised to see both of these running backs fall into the end zone. Carson going over the century mark tonight. And Penny as a compliment, getting maybe 50, 60 on the ground along with that TD. All right, let's talk about Rex Ryan's favorite body part, the toes. What's going on with Devontae <laughs> Adams? turf toe and what do you make of the fantasy implications for the other wide receivers mvs and company yeah it's unfortunate with adams uh yeah that turf toe is a nasty degrading injury very painful uh according to uh, adam Schefter, he said this on monday night countdown earlier this week it looked doubtful that adams would suit up this week uh in that uh you know spotlight affair against the dallas cowboys and he hasn't practiced so yeah, I think the guy that's going to benefit most from this, it may not be MBS. It may indeed be, uh, you know, Jake Krumro uh, is a possibility out of the slot with Geronimo Allison then going outside. I think Allison, you know, coming off a game in which he saw four targets, uh, the three receptions over 50 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I think he could be a point of emphasis. But I think ultimately, Briggs, uh, in this contest, it, it's all going to be about the ground game for both teams. Because you look at the secondary of uh, the Dallas Cowboys and the secondary of the Green Bay Packers, they're outstanding. Both units allowing 6.1 yards per attempt and 6.2 yards per attempt, respectively, through the air. So I think it could be, you know, more of a ground and pound approach with Zeke Elliott and Aaron Jones as the featured rusher. It looks like Jamal Williams, after he was, uh, you know, carted off last week, he may not be available for this particular matchup. So the vulnerabilities for both of these defensive units in the trenches 
And I think you're going to see that front and center in that contest. So I'm not necessarily trusting uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling or Geronimo Allison. You know, even if you're a Kenny Galladay or Marvin Jones owner looking for a bye week filler, there are better options out there, say, like an Auden Tate of the Cincinnati Bengals in a primo matchup against those desert birds of Arizona who are deep fried and right now in a 12-piece bucket. On the flip side of that Brad? matchup, go ahead, go ahead Dave. Ross. All right, I was going to ask you about Dak Prescott on the other side of that matchup. Was that just a one-week blip for him against the Saints defense that he wasn't prepared for, or do you make more of it? Well, it's more of a one-week blip. Uh, I mean, the Saints just shocked the living hell out of me. Um, you know, this is a defense that was humiliated and embarrassed uh, the prior three games, and then they come out and start resembling the defense of yesteryear. Uh, you know, and I thought Chris Collinsworth made – a very astute observation in regards to Marshawn Lattimore. He's a player that at times has been lazy when it's not a marquee matchup, but when the primetime lights are shining down on him, he elevates his game. And that was certainly the case uh, last week. So, you know, will that carry over for the Saints this week against Tampa Bay? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. I still like Jameis Winston in that particular contest because, again, you know, Lattimore has only done it once. Can he do it again? Uh, you know, that's TBD, but for Dak's purposes, you know, it's all fantasy is a matchup based game. And again, you know, Jair Alexander and Tremont Williams and company have been sensational in coverage this year. You know, I'll just give you the nitty gritty stats one more time. Uh, Green Bay versus quarterbacks this season, 6.2 yards per attempt allowed. The four fewest fantasy points allowed, 207, 207.8. That's it. Yards per game through the air allowed and four total touchdowns. Yeah, I think it's going to be a downtrodden effort for Dak. That's why I'm uh, ranked outside my top 12, and I would actually go with the pumpkin spice himself, Andy Dalton, ahead of him. Again, just looking at the matchups alone. What about Brad? I'm I'm fascinated by the Ravens and the Steelers. Really, both teams doesn't seem to me like Lamar Jackson's playing quite as well. Meanwhile, for the Steelers. Can we put Juju Smith-Schuster on the side of a milk carton? Like, what What do you right. got on these two teams? Yeah, Juju's at, like, witness protection, man. I mean, when you can't even crack 20 yards against Cincinnati, I mean, that really sums up uh, just how sunken your fantasy value is. Uh, I think better days are ahead for Juju, and there's really only one direction to go. And you can't throw on the Ravens. The biggest issue for him in this matchup is Marlon Humphrey. If there's one DB that plays respectable football uh, for the Baltimore Ravens, it is Humphrey, a guy that's allowed right around a 55 passer rating in his assignment. So this could, once again, be more of a Deontay Johnson game. Uh, he's got instant chemistry right now. We all thought it was going to be James Washington because of the college connection with him and Mason Rudolph at Oklahoma State. But it's it's really the, the product out of Toledo who's uh, rose to the occasion and, you know, scored a back-to-back -back games. Uh, I would not be at all surprised if he has another touchdown this week and exceeds 60 yards uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm not worried about Lamar Jackson. Uh, I know, you know with Minka Fitzpatrick in the mix now in Pittsburgh, uh, this is an improved defense as a whole, but you can still throw in these guys. Uh, you know, Andy Dalton, that was just classic primetime Chernobyl-level meltdown for him. So we'll have to wait and see uh, what happens this time around for the Steelers' D. But Lamar Jackson, because the scoring duality, 
you know, making plays with his legs, you know, finding the end zone. I mean, he's the most electric runner I've seen since Michael Vick as a quarterback. Uh, I think he's a guy that could certainly go out there and easily post top three numbers. That's why I'm ranked as QB2 against this unit that I still feel is vulnerable, particularly through the air. Another electric runner, Tom Brady, your number five Yahoo fantasy ranked quarterback this week after a disaster in Buffalo. Is Washington just that bad? Yeah, I call this a straight booty juice unit uh, because they're terrible, the Washington Redskins. I mean, Josh Norman's a shell of what he used to be defensively, uh, a guy that gets embarrassed by big receivers, small receivers, medium-sized receivers. It doesn't matter. You throw it his general direction, he's going to give it up. And, you know, the, the data backs it up. He's given up a 121.5 pass rate in his assignments. His tag team partner, Jimmy Moreland, even worse at defensive backfield, giving up a 131.9 passer rating. You know, Tom Brady is due for a, a monster game. This is a get-right, warm and fuzzy feel of a contest. Uh, and I like Josh Gordon, too, along with Philip Dorsett. I know Josh Gordon's been limited uh, in practice this week, but I think it's more gamesmanship. He'll cowboy up. He'll be out there. He'll be heavily emphasized. One of my favorite uh, player props I've seen this week is will Josh Gordon exceed 64 and a half receiving yards? I say, hell yes, he does that. Uh, he may flirt with 100 yards. It could be a multi-TD game for him. I think Dorsett, who's in my fantasy flames column this week, has got a good exceeding 70 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I would be floored if Tom Brady didn't throw for at least 290 or 300 with multiple scores. It should be a field day for Tom. Terrific. I'm curious, Brad. I don't have a specific matchup in mind. I just want to know, for people that maybe are thinking about trying daily fantasy but haven't for whatever reason, what would be just your two or three tips? Well, if you're a newbie uh, to the daily fantasy world, do not play the large GPPs. Uh, do not get sucked in by that because there are sophisticated algorithms that people use to stack lineups with. And the odds of you cashing are so distant, so impossible uh, that just don't even bother. You know, find the single entry contests that are out there where it's a level playing field or the 50-50s that are out there where if you finish in the top half of the grouping that you know, you're know you thrust in, uh, you'll double your money, stuff like that, or head-to-heads in some cases can be good, though there are sharks swimming in those waters as well. Uh, but you also gotta go a little bit against the grain with some of these and, and use Vegas to your advantage. You know, a lot of the totals that are out there, you know, this uh, Kansas City and Colts game, uh, you know, Kansas City indie game, the total, I, last I checked, was at 56 and a half. Just load up everybody in that game. You know, even the cheaper options that are available out there, you know, maybe it's a Demarcus Robinson or maybe it's a Paris Campbell if he's healthy. I know he's been dealing with an abdominal injury. Those are the key links, the key cogs, those low-dollar players that allow you flexibility and affordability for the, you know, big-ticket items, the big-ticket price guys like the Zeke Elliott's of the world uh, that if they hit, you end up winning some cash money. But again, focus on single entries, not the GPPs. Trust me, if you're going to win money, that's the direction you got to go. Smaller the better. Uh, last question, would you, on any circumstances, roll Kirk Cousins? Uh, but seriously, though, <laughs> what do you do with those wide receivers? It's hard to tell who's going to get any action any particular week. Now we know Thielen's frustrated. 
Diggs had a big last week last weekend. Uh, are these guys that you just drafted so high, you have to roll them out there regardless of that one-dimensional offense? Well, I think you do this week because it's the G-men for crying out loud. The gift that keeps on giving vertically. And it's crazy to me that Jack Rabbit Norris Jenkins was defensive player of the week uh, last week after he royally sucked the first three weeks. I mean, just got humiliated by Mike Evans in week three uh, and then turns around and has uh, a stand-up performance uh, last week against Washington. But, I mean, I, I, you know, you got to kind of, gloss over that game because Dwayne Haskins came in completely unprepared. Uh, was like a deer in the headlights, just, you know, stone still in that contest. Uh, you, know, you know, Case Keenum got pulled. I mean, it was, it, it just snowballed in a negative way very quickly there in the nation's capital. So, you know, this week, yeah, I understand uh, that uh, the, the Minnesota Vikings only called pass 43.8% of the time. I mean, that is the, the fingerprints all over the crime of Gary Kubiak's offense, right? But, you know, we've heard the trade rumors about Stephon Diggs, Josina Anderson of ESPN coming out this morning and saying that's not entirely true. One team was said that he's not going to get traded. Uh, I think it's more of just a maintenance day for Diggs, who's been struggling with some nicks and scrapes. So I think he's going to be out there. I think he's a strong start this week. Same with Adam Thielen. And, yeah, we joke about Kirk Cousins. He did throw it to over 30 times last week. And if he has that kind of workload this week against the Giants, again, knowing how loose this secondary is uh, giving up, you know, well north of nine pass yards per attempt. I think rolling all your Vikings vertical options out there is a sage move. But this is still Dalvin Cook's team through and through. A guy that should win the NFL rushing title this year as long as he can stay healthy. Boy, he's going to face some loaded boxes. Brad Evans, enjoy the tequila tonight. We'll talk to you next week, my friend. Cheers, gents. Enjoy it. Peace out. Okay, let's switch to the Jacksonville Jaguars. No fantasy implications here, but we're talking about Jalen Ramsey and his continued contract situation with Jacksonville. And Shad Khan, the owner of Jacksonville, has now come out and said he wants to keep Ramsey, does not want to trade him. He was inactive last week in Denver. One would think he rolled out there on the football field. They are 2-0 and in the last two weeks after this trade request came up from Ramsey. My question to you is on the Ramsey situation, Ross. Do the Jags really want to keep him, or is this Shad Khan's way of upping the ante for any trade offers? If they wanted to keep him, why wouldn't they have signed him coming into the season? He made no secret he wanted a new deal. That is a good question, Dave, and I think that's, that's, that's the right question, is are they just saying this, or to try to get even more in trade compensation or do they, do they really mean it? I tend to think they really mean it. I mean, if they've really been offered two first round picks as has been reported and they turn that down, I don't imagine that they would get much more than that. So if they traded to, if they turn that down, I think Shad Khan does want to keep them. And guess what? I think it probably makes sense. Because there is a decent chance, at least right on some level, that after this year, Doug Marone, the head coach, is fired. Tom Coughlin, the head of football operations, is fired. Dave Caldwell, the GM, is fired. And if that happens, don't you want the new GM to be able to make this decision of what to do with your best player on your team and Jalen Ramsey? Frankly, that makes perfect sense to me. I can understand why they would want that to be the case. 
I can understand why that's why Shad Khan's pumping the brakes a little bit. They have him next year on the fifth-year option year. The reason they didn't sign him coming into the year is because of his off-field antics. Nothing criminal behavior, but just little stupid stuff that they don't like, you know, quoting and saying all these quarterbacks suck, which helps you not at all in GQ magazine or any of the things that Jalen has done off the field. It just gave them a little bit of hesitation, a little bit of trepidation as to whether or not they should give him that big money long-term deal. I think they wanted him to prove it a little bit more. You don't have to sign a guy after their third year. You can wait till after their fourth year. You still have him on the fifth-year option. You can even franchise tag him after that. So I think that's what they're doing right now. I think Shad Khan says, why do I want to let these guys trade him if they're not even going to be the ones making the decisions around here anymore? It's the, it's the rare situation where the player may outlast the front office and coaching staff. And so as a result, you don't want to give up the player. I think it's an awesome, unique situation. And there's a whole other discussion we can have about ownership involvement in sports, which is an interesting one as well. Yeah, it's hard to figure. Uh, I just can't imagine there's any circumstances in which they can bring him back, get him signed to a new deal next year. It sounds like it's a lot more than money at this point, and Ramsey's been pretty clear about that, that it's not just the contract at this point that's upset him. Sounds like there's just been a lot of damage done there. Will he be elsewhere next year? That's where all my money would go. Where we will go when we come back is Cameron De Silva from USA Today. He is the managing editor of Rams Wire. He's going to give us the real truth about Todd Gurley, that arthritic knee. Is he just fine? Is he frustrated? And what is going on with Jared Goff and all the turnovers, a Thursday night football preview when we come back? And we'll see if we can talk some Tampa Bay Rays before we go. How about the lowest payroll team in the major leagues advancing last night? Huge win over the A's. We're back after a quick break. And remember, only five minutes of commercial time here on Home and Home. We're back after a real quick break. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.